You're listening to a sermon from Covenant Presbyterian Church in Cochrane, Alberta. If you'd like more information about our church, you can find us on the World Wide Web at www.covenantpresbyterian.ca. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Covenant Presbyterian. Uh, This morning, we're going to take a look at, uh, we're going to continue on in our study of the Gospel of John. And the words I kind of want to draw your attention to this morning are uh, John chapter 1, verses 29 to 34. So, let's just give it a read. The next day, he saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain. This is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. So uh, let's just say a quick word of prayer and we'll kind of dive right in. Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity that we get to, that we get to gather, that we get to come together, we get to open your word. Dear Lord, thank you that uh, we have such an abundance of your word that we can uh, simply go purchase a Bible anywhere. We can read it online for free. Uh, Dear Lord, help us to not take it for granted just because of how easy it is for us in contrast to so many of our brothers and sisters around the world. Dear Lord, uh, pray that you would speak through your word today, that it would weigh in upon us, that it would uh, help us to see you more clearly, that it would uh, help redirect our desires, reshape our hearts as we inform our minds. And it's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. So uh, just to recap, this section comes right after uh, what we saw last week, in which case we saw a group of um, Jewish leaders coming from Jerusalem to inquire of John the Baptist who he was. Now, historically, we're all well aware that John the Baptist had this very large ministry in the first century. It was such a large ministry that actually extended uh, beyond just that local region so far, in fact, that... um, in the book of Acts, we see that it made it all the way to, to Ephesus in modern Turkey, which is quite a distance from, uh, from where it was in ancient Israel. And uh, John the Baptist, he tells them that he's not the Messiah. He's not the promised one, the one who they were looking for. But rather, he was the one who was going to come before. And now we're going to see that Jesus has come, that Jesus is the one who he is, uh, he is telling of. So uh, there's kind of three things I want to take a look at this morning. So the first is uh, the Lamb of God and what that will tell us about Jesus and his mission. Then in his baptism, we will see a little bit of what Jesus did and why he did what he did. And the third one, in being the one to baptize in the Holy Spirit, we will see the difference that Jesus makes in all of our lives. So uh, with that kind of mind... Uh, let's kind of take a look at the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Now, the idea of the Lamb of God, this is this beautiful theme or thread that goes all the way throughout the Bible. This is a theme that isn't just in one kind of spot or here it kind of pops up, but it's something that runs throughout the whole of the Bible from uh, the beginning all the way to the end. So that, let's kind of uh, 
pull on the thread and see how it helps the whole Bible to fit together. So there's uh, three events that I just kind of want to look at in the Old Testament. We could look at a whole lot more, but for the sake of time, we'll limit ourselves to three. Now, the first is the Passover lamb, and that's found in Exodus chapter 12. Now, for those of you who are familiar with the Old Testament, particularly with Exodus and uh, the Exodus out of Egypt, this is at the tail end of the, uh, this is with the last of the plagues. Noli, do you want to go sit down? This is with the last of, of the plagues. This is uh, when God had told his people that uh, the firstborn of all of Egypt will, uh, will be killed. And what, what God tells uh, his people is that they are to, uh, to, to kill lamb, that they're then to use this blood to cover the doorposts, uh, and that this will be a sign uh, that the wrath of God was going to pass over them, uh, that they were going to be protected from that last plague. So the question is, how is, how is Jesus our Passover lamb? Because this is a theme that uh, John uses as we kind of continue on. Uh, towards the tail end of the Gospel of John, John's going to really bring out the fact that this was during Passover time, that Jesus was going to be killed at the time when the Passover lambs were killed. Um, so that's one way that John does this, is by saying this is the Lamb of God at the very beginning, and then at the end of his Gospel, when Jesus is killed, he's going to say, at the exact same time that the lambs were killed, this is when Jesus was killed. Next of all, uh, from the rabbinic Mishnah, from the Jewish Mishnah of that time, we're also, we also know that the place where those lambs that were to be killed, they were all kind of bred and raised in a certain area. If anyone wants to kind of take a guess at where that was, it's Bethlehem. So what John's, uh, from what we know from uh, the first century record, is that Jesus was born that, uh, in the place where the lambs were originally born that were later on to be raised, to be slaughtered in the temple for the sacrifices. Then as John continues on in his gospel, John's saying that at the very time those lambs were slaughtered at the pa- for the Passover was the time when Jesus was, uh, died on the cross. Now, another way that uh, the next kind of stop on our travel through the scriptures to kind of explore what, is, uh, what does the lamb mean is for those of us uh, who are familiar kind of with the first five books of the Bible, the books of the law, in Leviticus, particularly Leviticus 16, there's a mention of the Day of Atonement. Now, uh, this was the time when the sacrifices of the people, when they were to be, uh, they were to cover their sins. So we see that there's one group of sacrifices that were meant to cover the people's sins. Uh, the blood from those was meant to be actually uh, sprinkled on uh, the mercy seat and sprinkled in the Holy of Holies to show that the people's sins were, were to be covered over by this uh, sacrifice. And then there was a, another animal, a scapegoat, where the high priest was actually supposed to put his hands over it. He was supposed to confess all the people's sins on it before chasing it off into the wilderness. So uh, we see in that, first of all, the, that there was to be a, a death uh, of the animals, that the death of, of the lambs, the bulls, and everything else, that was meant to pay the penalty of sin. That's this big fancy word called propitiation. And then we see that there's a scapegoat who's meant to take away uh, kind of the shame of our sin, which is expiation, which is the fancy word for that theologically. And the whole point of the sacrificial system was that the sacrificial system was meant to point to Jesus. 
that it was meant to, meant to foreshadow, that it was meant to be uh, the prefiguring to give them an idea that, hey, that your sin is such a big deal that actually life is to be required for it. Um, and in the foreshadowing, it is in the sacrifices of lambs and bulls and other animals. The next example I'd like to look at comes from Isaiah 53. Uh, Isaiah 53, verse 7 to be exact. And if you have your Bibles, if we could just kind of turn to that. So, in Isaiah, this section belongs to what's commonly called uh, the Servant Song or the Servant Songs from Isaiah. And uh, this particular section goes all the way from chapter 52, verse 13, all the way to chapter 53, verse 12, which describes the, the Messiah. And this is where Isaiah tells us how a holy and righteous and just God can bless a sinful people. That in and through the, the suffering servant, the promises of God will come true because in and through the servant's suffering and subsequent triumph, God removes our guilt from us via a sacrifice and that now we can be uh, declared righteous before God. So if you have it, Isaiah 53, verse 7. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like sheep that before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Um, this is Isaiah telling us that just like the, the lambs that were sacrificed, so the, the suffering servant, that he will also uh, be a sacrifice so that he will take the penalty for our sin, that he's going to be the one to bear the burden of our guilt so that we can be made right with God. Um, and these passages and John 1 kind of help us to understand some of the imagery and some of the, uh, the purposes behind, this, behind who this lamb is and, and what was going on. But this was all meant to uh, kind of foreshadow or help to point us to Jesus. Uh, but with John 1, it helps us to understand something that was going to come later at the very end of the Bible, in the last book, in Revelation chapter 5. And I just want to read uh, verse 9 and 10 of Revelation chapter 5. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. For you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Um, and just before that, it mentions that the scroll... Sorry. And then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and to break its seals? And no one in heaven or earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. Uh, and as it continues on, it mentions that there's, and between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain. Uh, so what John will... John, the author of the Gospel of John, is also the same John who wrote the book of Revelation. And what he's saying is that uh, the Lamb of God, which is meant to uh, pick up all these themes we've seen from the Old Testament, that this is Jesus. And what this is meant, 
kind of the purpose of this was to show that this lamb by his sacrifice, by its, by its suffering and by giving itself, uh, that it was to ransom a people for God, that it was meant to not just be for the ethnic state of Israel, but rather was meant to be uh, to redeem a people from every nation, tribe, and tongue. That this was, uh, this was a way of God redeeming people from, uh, from all people groups to himself. I know we've just jumped over a bunch of different Bible passages, uh, but I just, wanted to kind of, I just wanted to give us kind of a sense of what the original audience and what some of our earliest Christian brothers and sisters would have thought of when they heard of this. Right, that this is a theme that goes all the way through the Bible and it's meant to, to show us how we are made right with God. That not just uh, that Jesus was, was called a lamb just kind of a, as, a, as a cute name of sorts, but rather that it's meant to pick up on what, what God was doing, that it's meant to show that in and through Jesus, there's a fulfillment of what God had been doing. And uh, now just kind of take a look at that. Uh, of the Lamb, it said, who takes away the sin of the world. Now, by saying sin of the world, by using it in the singular sense, it wasn't meant to be a limiting thing. Sin, it, while yes, sin is singular in its usage here, it's meant to the point to the whole category of all sin. Therefore, uh, what John's trying to tell us is that Jesus died for the sin of, sins of, uh, sin of the world. This is meant to show that all categories of sins are encompassed within this that there's no sin too heinous or wicked or wickedness too terrible or a habit too often repeated that it cannot be taken away by Christ, our heavenly lamb. So that by saying sin of the world, it, it doesn't matter what the sin is, that it's encompassed within that category. That no matter what, uh, what someone has done, no matter how often someone has engaged in a particular act, that all that still falls into that same category of the sin of the world that Jesus has died and paid for. And uh, there's kind of this beautiful hymn written by Isaac Watts that really kind of encompasses all this. And the words of it, I just want to read them to you. Not all the blood of beasts on Jewish altars slain could give the guilty conscience peace or wash away its stain. But Christ, the heavenly lamb, takes all our sins away. A sacrifice of nobler name and richer blood than they Believe we rejoice to see the curse remove. We bless the Lamb with cheerful voice and sing his wondrous love. Uh, it's a hymn from Isaac Watts called Not All the Blood of Beasts. Uh, if you have a Trinity hymnal at home, you'll find it in there. So within this first category, we've seen that Jesus as the Lamb of God, that he's the promised one. He's, he's the one who's going to fulfill all the hopes and the promises, uh, the hopes of the people of God and the promises of God uh, by being the one to reconcile us to God. And from Isaiah, we saw that uh, through that is how God is able to say that we are able to come near to him. Uh, so then moving on, why was Jesus baptized? Now, Jesus, um, it says in the book of Romans, uh, it leads, in Romans chapter 5, it lays out these, uh, these two categories of Adam and kind of the new Adam or Jesus, which is meant to say uh, that there's these two categories, that Adam was the one who failed and that uh, by virtue of being born, we all find ourselves with, 
within Adam and within his, his trespass that um, by nature we are, uh, we are sinners. However, what uh, Paul then goes on to say is that the new Adam, that, he, that he's the one who fulfills what the law was meant to show. That this new Adam is the one who is going to, uh, to succeed where the old Adam failed. And uh, he's also going to be the one who's going to fulfill what Israel was meant to, to do and to accomplish. So as it says in our text today, uh, that he might be revealed to Israel, that one of the purposes of this was to, to show who Jesus was to those around him. The other purpose is, is that he, he's going to succeed at where we fail, uh, where Adam failed, where Israel had failed. And... Uh, 1 Corinthians 10 says that Israel was baptized by going through the Red Sea and uh, Jesus as the new Israel or as the fulfillment of what Israel was meant to do, that he likewise (laughs) was going to be baptized and was going to uh, succeed where they had failed, that even though they they had stumbled and fallen, uh, that he as our new covenant head and representative, that he was going to fulfill and to accomplish all that the law required of him. And it was through this, that he is now able to be our representative, that now we're able to be uh, in him. And then as the text goes on, uh, I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove and remained on him. I myself did not know him, but yet who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see, see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. Now that phrase, baptizing with the Holy Spirit, it, it's, a very, it's a very interesting phrase, right? Now, to kind of think about this, let's first of all ask, what is baptism? Baptism is meant as an initiatory um, rite of passage, so to speak, right? It's a way of uh, identifying yourself with a particular people group. This is a way of saying uh, that you're going to be brought into the new people of God. It was a way of uh, showing that you are uh, that you have passed from spiritual death to spiritual life, it's a way of saying that um, you are now part of the new people of uh, of God. And uh, by saying he baptized with the Holy Spirit, this is a way of saying that there's something new going on. That in and through Jesus, that God was doing something new. That it wasn't going to be just like the old way that things had been done. This wasn't uh, as John had baptized, baptized with water, which is a way of saying, I repent of my sins, or I recognize that I'm not uh, worthy to stand before God. That by being baptized by the Holy Spirit, that God was going to do something, something different, something new, that it was meant to be a fulfillment of uh, when in the Old Testament, God promised that he was going to put his spirit uh, into the hearts of his people. Uh, this, this kind of foreshadows what's going to happen in John chapter 3, kind of this conversation that Jesus has with Nicodemus that we will get to when we get to John 3. Uh, but what he's trying to tell us here is that uh, through Jesus, we get access to the Holy Spirit, access a whole new way to who God is. That before, God was kind of a far off. God was always at veiled or off behind a curtain or in a temple, that now we get access to who God is in a whole new way. 
that we get to receive God's Spirit within us, and that through that we get to now have new and different lives, which we'll see when we get to John chapter 3. But the point of being baptized with the Holy Spirit is to show that not now God was going to live and reside within us, that now in and through, in and through that, that now we get to live new and different lives from what we had experienced in the past. And uh, as our passage concludes in verse uh, 34, and I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. Now, uh, Son of God is, is this expression that you kind of see throughout the, the Old Testament at times. It's a term used uh, of Solomon or plural of all of Israel, such as in Hosea. Um, but this expression, it's used in a new way of Jesus. It's used in a very exclusive way, kind of to show the fullness of what this phrase means. And it points to the closeness of the relationship between Jesus, God the Son, and uh, God the Father. And it's one of the ways that John is going to use to tell us that Jesus is the Messiah, that uh, Jesus is uh, the Son of God. It's a way of pointing to the deity of of Christ. Excuse me. This is a way uh, in which John's going to tell us that Jesus isn't just another person. This isn't just uh, another human being, another prophet, another messenger from God, but rather now that God has come to be with his people. So, uh, just to kind of summarize what we've all seen so far, is that uh, Jesus is the Lamb of God. Jesus is the one who pays the penalty for our sins so that we can, uh, our guilt can be removed from us. That in Jesus as the Son of God, that Jesus is going to take the penalty that's rightfully deserved for us upon himself so that we can be reconciled to God um, through what he has done. Then in his baptism, uh, we see that Jesus is our new covenant head that Jesus is the one who makes a way for us. And that by being baptized with the Spirit, now there's, there's a new way in which we get to encounter God, a new way in which we get to uh, relate to God. That now God has come to be with us, that His Holy Spirit lives within us, uh, transforming us to live new lives. And what does that mean for us today? I think in a, in a very practical sense, it means that we can have, have a hope, first of all, that we can be uh, reconciled to God, that we can have a hope that that barrier that's existed between uh, us and God, that that's now been removed, that uh, what God had done in the Old Testament, that we get to look to Jesus for that. It, so it's meant to give us a hope of, um, of how we live. Uh, second of all, it's... Uh, it's meant to embolden us to live differently. So rather than uh, life, be, life going on day in, day out, rather than there being a struggle with the same sins day in and day out, now by uh, seeing that the Lamb of God takes away our sin, and now that we have the Holy Spirit living within us, now we are to, to experience life in a whole new way, that now we have an ability uh, to fight sin. We have an ability to overcome the temptations that, that have kind of beset us. 
the temptations that have kind of pulled us down over and over again. Uh, and the, the third practical way is it's meant to also give us a hope for others. Recognizing that we're not the special ones. There's nothing inherently special within who we are uh, to, to make God, um, to make us right with God. Rather, it's all on the basis of what Christ has done and that we can, because that we can also live different lives. So the same thing exists for others. That just like uh, when we, for example, go down certain neighborhoods um, or we see kind of that same person with the, uh, with the same sins or that same uh, drunk person in the same back alley over and over again. We can have a hope for them because the hope that we have isn't to be found in ourselves or in uh, how great this other person is. Rather, the hope is to be found in Christ. If the hope extends to us, it extends to others, um, it also extends to our community and to our world. So I think what this should, should lead us to is to pray all the more fervently and boldly uh, for those around us. It, also, it should also inspire us to reach out to those around us uh, with hope, actually having, a, having conversations with others about who Jesus is, what he accomplished, and, and to do that with an expectation that this actually can take place, that there actually can be lives transformed. So with that, uh, I just want to close in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you uh, that we get to open it. Pray that you would uh, help us to see you all the more clearly. Thank you that you are, uh, you are our Passover lamb. You are the lamb who has taken the penalty of our sins upon you. Uh, that through your sacrifice that we can be made right with you. That we can, uh, we can be at peace with you. Dear Lord, um, thank you that you are the one who baptizes us in your spirit, in your Holy Spirit, that now we can have lives different and transformed lives from the lives that we lived uh, before we knew you. Dear Lord, thank you this hope doesn't just extend to us, but also extends uh, to those around us. Uh, dear Lord, help us to boldly have conversations with those around us and to point others to you, that we would be... Uh, good messengers of you, good ambassadors of you. And it is in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.